Welcome back to another Daily Walk. Well, today actually I want to just do a quick run through the earth pre-flood. Somebody had mentioned this, that they were reading the Bible for the first time on the stream the other day, and I thought that's a, a really neat idea to talk about the earth pre-flood because he really was fascinated with the stories of men living 900 years old and all these different factors surrounding uh, the early age before the flood. And I want to go ahead and just kind of mention this as a brief summary. We are going to try and keep this around 10 minutes. So this is going to be like a whirlwind uh, discussion as we go through because frankly there is a lot of information to be said here. But we're going to go ahead and summarize some of it. We're going to clarify a few of the things. We're going to open up a couple of little cans of worms. So stay tuned. There's a lot of fascinating stuff in this first six chapters of Genesis before the flood. So of course the first controversy we have to get to looks at uh, the order of creation because some people will sit down and argue well if you look at Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 they really tell a different story the reality is they don't Genesis 1 is telling the basic overall big picture and this is common in Hebrew literature it has this overarching big picture and then it's going to take some time and focus on some details I mentioned this in the book Hezekiah's prayer where in the book Hezekiah's Prayer, it really focuses on a few different elements. It gives a basic summary of the story, and all of the kings are like this. I use this one for a specific reason. All the kings, you know, he's doing all these great things, and then there's a few key points that, that stand out in his, in his kingship. We have the prayer about being saved from the enemies, and we have the prayer about being healed by God. Now, the way the Hebrew literature works, you had the broad overview, and then you had the more important details, and then the sub-important details. This is why I argue in my book that despite those miracles listed as, first it was the, uh, the praying over the king being saved, and then it was praying over the healing, I actually think in the text, if you read through all the different accounts and see what's going on, and all the context surrounding it all, I actually think that second detailed miracle was actually first and this the, the uh, more detailed miracle was actually the second one uh, in response to those prayers this is the same thing that's going on here in the hebrew literature and you see this all over the old testament you'll see in look in kings and chronicles you have the basic summary of the king's reign and then you'll cover in one or two highlights of each of the kings as it's going through this is where the idea of the prayer of jabez comes from is going through all these different basic things and oh here's a little story about this guy who prayed a lot and so this is kind of what we see. So in Genesis 1, we have the basic order of creation in the basic order that he put it. This is not some Hebrew poem. This is Hebrew narrative. This is a literal six-day creation in a young earth. I know there's some theological discussion surrounding this, but the text is very clear. And if you start misbelieving God on this one point, we completely violate Hebrews 11.3. By faith, we believe all things were created, all things that were unseen, uh, from uh, all things that are seen from that which was unseen. We have this belief in God in that respect. And so we have this explanation just kind of going through. He's talking about the lights, he's the separations, and then he gets down and he's really talking about the creation of people at the end. And then, of course, he gets down to the end. Uh, verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Then let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over the cattle of the earth, and over every little thing. And 27, he created man in his own image. The image of God he created, male and female, he created them. So, 
all of this nonsense that we have about not being able to find a man or a woman and there's no real distinction, it's however you feel, this is a direct assault on the scripture, Genesis 1.27. God is not mocked. As you sow, so shall you reap. You start reaping these types of things, you're going to reap out all of the, the errors. And then he kind of get ends that, that point. He looks down, he says, all things are good. All this is very good. And then he rested on the seventh day. And then we have chapter two is the creation of the man and the woman. Now this is not some distinct overall thing. This is a fine detail of things that were going on, the commands, the orders of man and woman, all the things they had to do. And then it begins and gets into the ideas of the fall of man. Genesis 3. Of course, in Genesis 3, this is when sin enters the world. Original sin, it's nothing weird and sexual. The ultimate original sin is that Eve obeyed uh, obeyed a serpent rather than obeying her husband, man. Man was standing right next to her when this serpent is talking to Eve, who should have been suspicious of a talking snake, having regularly talked to God. And so what happened is the original sin was when man and woman disobeyed and disbelieved God, choosing their own knowledge over faith in God. And then that started original fall. That introduces the curses, greatly increased uh, childbirth, uh, uh, pain in childbirth, and uh, greatly increased the, uh, the toil of working on the soil. And then, of course, the, uh, the man and the woman both had some mercies mixed in. Notice that the serpent didn't. Man and woman were both asked to explain themselves. The serpent, he already knew because he knew the story already. He's just seeing if they admit to it. And they about admit to it about as much as we do today. You know, God, it's not my fault, as Erwin Lutzer says. This weak-willed woman that you gave me deceived me. So he, even Adam's trying to blame God for the sin, not himself and his command that he was supposed to do. Okay, and then we get into four, and uh, oh, one more thing here, uh, Genesis 3.15, this is a specific point in theology, this is called the Proto-Evangel, because this is important for another point coming up. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise you on the head, you shall bruise him on the heel. Okay, so this is the crucifixion. This is the final time when all humanity will be saved through the power and the sacrifice of Christ. And I say all humanity in a, uh, a more generic uh, sense. Obviously, I do not believe in universalism. Uh, I've covered that many times on the channel. Uh, just to bring it up as a brief aside for somebody who's watching my video looking for point of error. Okay, but now we get into Gen uh, Genesis 4, Cain and Abel. Now this, Genesis 4, 5, and 6 sets up some very interesting theological debate that I see from our time. We are not going to have time for it. So I think we're actually going to introduce it, and then next week we're going to cover it in more detail. So this will be a two-part series on a daily walk, something I don't do very frequently. Um, but it's very important, and uh, I, I have three minutes left before I like to shut these off, and I don't want to get into it. So let's go ahead and introduce the concepts. Adam and Eve have two primary children. You know who they are, Cain and Abel. Now, Cain and Abel are worshiping God in their own ways. Of course, Cain is a grower of the plants, and Abel is a grower of the flock. So was the sacrifice that 
Cain, of course, his sacrifice was not accepted. Abel's sacrifice was accepted. Was it because Abel brought meat and Cain brought vegetables? It is actually not. Some people will say that. But what uh, the, the key here is verse 4, Genesis 4, 4. Abel, on his part, also brought the firstlings of his flock, their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. Verse 5, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard, so Cain became angry and his countenance fell. Why? Because in verse 3, it came about Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. Abel brought the first of the offering of the ground. So Cain and Abel both raise up their individual thing they're sacrificing. And then what happens is Abel says, I'm going to take the absolute best, the first, give it to God. And Cain's like, I'm going to grow. I'm going to live our life. And then I'm going to go to God at the end. And I'm going to give him my excess after I've had my pleasure. That is how most Christians are living our lives with our tithes, our offerings, our givings. I do not believe that the Bible explicitly has a, you must give a 10%. But I believe that if you are first and foremost not thinking about furthering God's kingdom and you're going to give him out of your excess than out of your abundance or, or uh, you're going to give him out of your excess after your riotous living is done, that is the thing that displeases God. And so what we see here is Cain is mad at his brother uh, because his brother's sacrifice is being accepted and his is not. So he simply kills his brother. Not exactly good. Why does he kill his brother? Because man is cursed. And we are going to pick up next week at this point and we're going to explain in more detail what's going on here from Cain and Abel talking about the next principle and why this is important, where Genesis 3.15 fills in, and some of the other things going on before the flood. So with that, follow along, uh, subscribe to all the channels. Of course, we put these out on multiple different channels. Those are all linked on the website, rwalkinchrist.com. Sign up for that newsletter as well. Thank you for watching, and I hope that you enjoy your daily walk in our Lord. Thank you for tuning in. Our Walk in Christ podcast is a listener-supported presentation. For more information about how you can help, check out ourwalkinchrist.com forward slash support or our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Tom M. That's T-O-M-M. Digital and paperback books are available on several online bookstores or at our website. Once again, the website is ourwalkinchrist.com. <laughs>